you know, I know technically we finished it, we said November, we're going to celebrate our 20-year anniversary. Um, that's been fun, hasn't it? But nobody really gave me a mic till now, so I'm going to keep going today. So, and uh, I told last week they kind of surprised my wife and I and kind of honored us because we've been here for more than 20 years and all that kind of thing. And uh, my wife was crying, and I was standing over here. I was like tearing up. I was like, if he hands me the mic, I'm definitely going to be losing it. And he didn't hand me the mic, so I was like, yes. Um, but I am extremely grateful. And to be honest, uh, I was sitting right there on the front row when I realized the message I was going to bring you uh, last week that I was going to bring you this week. And um, Pastor Steph quoted a verse uh, while we were standing on stage here, and she read uh, Psalm 92, verse 12 through 13. And she's, the righteous shall flourish. Everybody say flourish. The righteous, righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted, everybody say planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And that verse, those two verses, and that principle of being planted have been a foundation of my life. In fact, they were a foundation of my life even before I knew what was happening. I'm a preacher's kid, and my dad just retired after almost 40 years of preaching the gospel. Um, in fact, they'll, they'll come visit us now, but he, he, they found a church that they're very involved in, and he preaches on the second Sunday of the month at the nursing home. And you know, it don't matter what's happening in Kentucky, he will not miss it. So I guess he's only semi-retired. And my dad's United Methodist pastor, was a United Methodist pastor, and if, for those that don't know, the United Methodist system, they appoint people, pastors to churches. And so they'll appoint a pastor, and then they'll move pastors around, and you know, through God's direction, they'll move around. But the part of the system that's not too great is the fact that they move pastors kind of quick. So pastors can be at a church for 18 to 36 months. That's actually probably an average that they're just not there that long. And so my dad, as a United Methodist pastor, his first pastorate, he was there for 12 years. And then his next one, where I grew up most of my life, um, was for 17 years. That wasn't normal, still isn't normal. And so my parents knew the power of staying planted in a church. They knew that their kids, because that, that second one, they kind of begged and pleaded to stay there because they knew that me and my brother and my sisters would be able to thrive if we were planted somewhere longer. And in my adult life, while I was in college, I, went to, I only went to like two churches while I was in college, but in my adult life after college, I've only been part of one church, this one right here. So I've never known anything other than being planted other than getting connected in a church and putting my roots down and staying. Like the idea of uh, finding the right church that can meet my needs and the music volume is just the way I like it. And the preaching is just how I like it. Not too loud, not too soft, not too convicting. Like that concept, to be honest, is completely foreign to me because I, to be honest, I wasn't 
this smart, okay? I didn't like have this great revelation of, oh, you gotta be planted in God's house. I didn't have a revelation of it. It was by the grace of God that I stayed planted. Because there was a couple times where I didn't wanna stay planted. How many of you had a couple times where you didn't wanna stay where you were at in a church? Some of you are like, this is my fifth church this month. What are you talking about? So the first time this revelation, this principle of being planted, really the first time I grabbed hold of it for me uh, was 13 years ago. Uh, It was actually October 8th, 2006, um, because I'm going to read you a journaling excerpt that I wrote the day after that when John Bevere, how many know John Bevere, pretty amazing author, writer, speaker, teacher of the word, um, he was here as a guest. And he spoke and he talked about being planted. And he talked about how in 25 years, he'd only been in three, he'd lived in three states and he'd been part of three churches. And he talked about how he had plenty of opportunity to get offended. How many believe if you're in a church, you're gonna have opportunity to get offended? How many believe if you're breathing, you're going to have opportunity to be offended, right? Okay, so listen to what I wrote on October 9th, 2006. John Bevere here last night, wow, several things I don't want to lose. God has planted me where I'm at because there is a particular soil that will make the seeds in me grow to fruition. This is the optimum soil for me. As John shared, he he lived in three states and attended three churches in 25 years. In two of the three, he had ample opportunities to get royally offended but he didn't. Why? Because God planted him in that soil for a divine purpose of seed growing and fruit bearing that could not take place in any other way. So this idea of being planted is kind of a big deal to me. And as I listened to John teach that night or the the day before, I started to kind of have this awareness. I was like, hmm, that's kind of a cool story. And then I was like, hmm, wait, wait, that's my story too. Like I, I've only been in two states and I was planted in that church and now I'm planted in this church. And all of a sudden I realized that I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most gifted. I'm not the holiest, just ask my family or anybody that plays basketball with me a while ago. But you know what I did? I stayed planted in God's house. And the Bible says that a tree planted in the house of God, it will flourish. And so I realized that what I'd kind of done by accident up to that point, it now became a set intention of my heart that I was going to live into this revelation, this principle of staying planted in God's house. And so for the last 20 plus years, I've been living into that. And it's been completely easy every day I made that choice. (laughs) Some of you know, some of you have been planted and you know that's not true. Um, So here's what I wanna say to you, that being planted in the house of the Lord became a revelation to me. And then what was happening by accident, it became an intention. Now, I can tell you, of everything in my life that I've learned and put into practice, 
This principle of staying planted probably has something to do with just about every good thing in my life today. I am not overstating that. Just about every good thing in my life has something to do with the fact that I made a decision to live that out. I don't think I'd be married. Many of you have heard that testimony. Well, my wife looked at me and said, I don't think I want to be married to you anymore. And I said, how about we get marriage counseling? But my pastors counseled me through that and many friends here in this room supported me through that. But there's something about the local church that has power in it. Um, let, me, let me kind of illustrate this a little bit. So when I was in my 20s, I worked for Springhouse Gardens, which is a beautiful nursery right over there off of Route 68. Anybody ever been there? It's beautiful. It's actually friends of Kim Garrison's. They own it. And I worked there. And during the summer of a drought, I watered trees for eight hours a day. That's all we did. We just, like a watering one. They didn't have an irrigation system. And so from one tree to the next tree. And I want to tell you this because what we would do is there'd be like this big area and we'd just line up a row of trees and line up a row of trees. But there would be about a foot of mulch, like big mulch. And so we would bring the trees in. Instead of just setting the trees there, we would kind of dig out the mulch and then we'd kind of plant the tree. But it'd have a, a burlap sack on it or a cage on it right around the root ball but we'd kind of dig down a little bit and then we'd cover it back up with mulch. And we did that for two reasons. One, because when it was covered up by mulch, then the mulch held the water. And so when you watered it, it held the water better, right? Wasn't planted, but it did better. And the other reason we did that was because it looked better to the clients as they came in. And they're like, oh, so that's what it would look like planted. Now they did have like one of everything in the whole nursery, every plant, shrub, tree, flower, they had one of everything planted so you could actually see what it looked like when it was planted. But these trees, were they planted, yes or no? No, they, they weren't planted, but they kind of looked like they were planted. It was the appearance of being planted, but their roots were still wrapped up. The cage was still holding them in. And of course they had some mulch so they could take in some nourishment, but they weren't really planted. They just looked like it. And unfortunately, this is the reality, a picture of what many Christians are in the churches they attend today. They look planted, but they're not really. And by the way, we, we had some trees that we would plant like that, pseudo planting, I'm going to call it, fake planting. And if they stayed there long enough, even with that root ball, even with that cage around the roots, the burlap and all, they would start to kind of get some, some roots poking through, right? And then somebody would like, oh, that one's growing more. Why? Because... It had some roots going down. But if, if somebody wanted to buy that tree, we'd just take a shovel and doo, 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 and we'd like bust off those few little roots and it was easy. Why? Because it still wasn't planted. But if somebody saw one of those trees somewhere else on the property that was actually planted, and for whatever reason we said, we're gonna let them get that tree, was it easy to dig up a tree that had truly been planted, yes or no? No, that took time. If your roots really go down, it's not going to be easy to transplant yourself 
somewhere else. If it's too easy, you might be pseudo-planted and you don't even realize it. Because you could be here at a church or any other church for years, and for whatever reason, maybe offense from the past or hurts that happened or this idea that I'm okay on my own or I have to do it on my own, that it's weak to need other people. For whatever reason, you can keep your roots wrapped up, caged up, and never let them go down. How many of you in this room want to flourish like God intends you to flourish in your life? If so, say yes! How many of you would like to thrive? I mean, in every area of your life. How many would like that? If so, say yes! yes. How many of you would like to live in such a state of praise and thanksgiving that the circumstances of this world can't even touch you? If you want that, say yes! yes. I like Cynthia saying it up and praising Jesus. That's what God desires for you. That's what I desire for you. And so I'm going to push in because today, I mean, I understand that the church is not perfect. How many know the church isn't perfect? But the church is still God's design and God's plan to grow you, to change the world, to bring the gospel to those that have never heard it. The church is God's design. And so I'm going to kind of push in a little bit on the power of being planted in a local church. Some of you don't know it, but this message right here, it could save you a lot of pain. It could help you to avoid turmoil that's gonna come in your life. Maybe it hasn't yet, or maybe you recover. Like this message here, it might save some marriages. It might save your kids. And I'm not just talking spiritually save you. I mean, yes, that. Some of you, if you don't stay planted, those suicidal thoughts are probably going to overtake you when you get in isolation. And so this message is not just playing games here. This message isn't just, oh, we're having 20 years and let Pastor Mark talk about, oh, he's been at a church 20 years, but that's good for him, but that's not good for me. No! This is God's will for every one of our lives. Will you move churches? Will you move states? Sure, I'm not saying you have to stay planted for your whole life, okay? There's no like cut your hand and sign it in blood or anything here, all right? But what I am saying is there is power. How many of you have personally experienced the power of staying planted in God's house, whether this one or another one? There's something undeniable about it. And are there churches where leadership is uh, neglectful of their people or there's abuse of spiritual authority or are there churches where they're just not healthy and all those kind of things? Yes, that's totally true. But thankfully, I'm not going to deal with the opinions of people today. I'm just going to talk about what the Word of God says. How many want what the Word says for your life? If so, say yes. Yes. All right, well, let's see what the Bible says about uh, getting into church because the reality is Well, let me read this verse first, and then I'll push in a little bit. Acts 2, verse 46 through 47. How do you get planted in a church? How does that happen at the first? It says this, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added 
to the church daily, those who were being saved. Let me ask you a question. Who added to the church? You, you mean the people didn't pick? What church they were added to? Who added them to the church? The Lord. See, the, our modern society has made it a consumer decision about where you attend church. Let me say that again. Our modern society has made it a consumer decision about where you attend church. How's it going to meet my needs? What about the children's ministry? What about the youth ministry? Right? Music, preaching. How's the parking? Do they have good potlucks? Are they going to take my children away for a week, at least a week every summer? And it can't cost too much. Now I'm meddling, aren't I? Do they have the ministry that I want them to have? Do they have that seniors ministry, that singles ministry, or that whatever, you fill in the blank. But where we get planted in a church is not our decision. It's his. Now, of course, you're going to play a role in that. I mean, you got to walk yourself into a door and get, get some clothes on and walk into a church. But at the end of the day, it's not about what you want it's about what he wants for you. It's about him getting you into a place that is the optimum soil for you, for your life to produce fruit, for the seeds that have been planted in your heart to grow. I mean, if you know anything about seeds, a seed's got to do what before it can bear fruit? It's got to die. Isn't that all warm and fuzzy? So being planted is not necessarily an easy process, but it has less to do with what you want and more to do with what God wants for you. Look at somebody and tell them, God wants you planted. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to be planted here, but if God told you you need to be planted here, guess what? You need to be planted here. Um, skip to page. So let me connect this just real quick here. So pastor last week, he talked about culture right? And he said, culture comes from the Latin word that means to cultivate the soil. Culture means to cultivate the soil. Cultivate means to plow, to break up, or to develop. And agriculture, floriculture, horticulture are all studies of how to cultivate a field, flowers, or a garden. The whole Bible is about soil. The whole Bible talks about soil. So when we talk about being planted this isn't an optional thing. In fact, whether or not you are planted in a local church will cultivate the culture of your life. Whether or not you rip off that root ball, break out of the cage, and put your roots down deep, it will cultivate the culture of your life. See, soil matters. Planting matters. You flourishing matters to God. You, whether or not you get planted, matters to God. And that, that is, there's not an argument because as you read the Bible, it's extremely clear about soil, about planting, about culture, right? So let's push in on that verse that I started with, Psalm 92. We're actually gonna go through the whole chapter because the whole chapter, the context, is all about the power of the church, Literally at the top, some of your Bibles probably have this, it says a song for the Sabbath day. Before you even get to the first verse, it's a song for the Sabbath day. Where are you gonna be on the Sabbath day? You're gonna be in church. 
And that's, we have the context down there in verses 13, 14, that a tree planted in the house of God will flourish. So this whole chapter, the context is about being planted in God's church. All right. So we're going to push in. I'm going to help you see, help us discover here five benefits of, or, or it might be qualities of people who are planted. Y'all ready? Here we go. Verse one, it is good to give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness, faithfulness every night on an instrument of 10 strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the work of your hands. So point number one, quality number one is you will be planted in praise and thanksgiving. Planted in praise and thanksgiving. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever have a bad day? How many of you had a day this week where you would be honest enough to say that praise and thanksgiving weren't in particular on your lips? Anybody? Some of you had that morning this morning. Okay. How many of you during the week, you spend some time in some environments that are not quite building you up? Maybe downright negative. People are complaining and it's not an easy environment to be in, right? Some of you are like, I live in that environment. Help me. I am going to help you. When you are planted in a local church, you are planted in a consistent atmosphere of praise and thanksgiving. Notice I didn't say you were planted in a perfect atmosphere. Come on. You are planted in a consistent atmosphere of praise and thanksgiving. Because how many know every time you come to church, you can count on this team up here leading you into praise and thanksgiving. Are y'all grateful for them? Come on, give them a little bit. Y'all were anointed today, by the way. It was powerful. Guess what? Every time they're up here, they don't feel like leading you in praise and worship. I won't ask for an amen from the worship team. But because they're committed to a house and committed to you and committed to what God put on them, they're going to come up here and they're going to lead you. And so when you are committed to a church, when you are planted in a house, you get to be planted in praise and thanksgiving. Because even on a bad day, if you wake up, but if you wake yourself up and you dress yourself up, like we don't care what you wear, but as long as you put some clothes on, we do require that and you walk yourself into church, and you walk in the way Psalm 100 verse 4 says that you will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How many of you know it's kind of hard to be complaining and negative when you got praise on your lips? Listen, listen. When you have praise on your lips, you can't have complaining on your lips. When you have thanksgiving coming out of your mouth, you can't have selfish, entitled thoughts coming out of your mind and out of your mouth. When, when you have praise and worship coming out of your mouth, you cannot be stuck in a negative moaning and groaning kind of place. Can I get an amen here? And this body, this house, this family of worship gives you a distinct advantage to live a proactively positive life. What that verse say we just read a minute ago? I was glad because of your works. When you come in here, you're going to hear about the goodness of God. 141 families got fed this week. 20 people gave their life to Jesus. 
I mean, I don't care what's going on in your life. That is good any way you slice it. And so you have a distinct advantage. See, people that aren't plugged into a house. Because listen, I have conversations all the time and people say, I love Jesus, I, don't go, I just don't go to church. And I know it's worn out and kind of a little cliche, but you can't love Jesus and hate his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. Like, you're you going to tell me you love me, but you hate my wife? Uh-uh. No. Like, like, no, you just walk away. Because you mess with her, you mess with me. And so when we're plugged into the house, we get to live with praise and worship. Here, let me ask you, drive this point home just real quick before I move on to the next one. How many of you known somebody that left the church? It was a change of season or whatever it might be. You know, I mean, if you move for jobs and stuff like that, again, I know people that have left churches, left here, and like they left and it was great and good on terms and we're still friends and all that good stuff. But let's just talk about the 80 or 90 other percent, okay? Being real here, how many of you know somebody that left a church and they left truly with praise and thanksgiving on their lips? Or perhaps did they leave maybe more with complaining or some entitled selfish words or some negativity? Is that possible? I'm just going to leave that there. So I read to you from that journal about getting a revelation about the power of being planted, right? October 9th was that journal entry. And this journal ends on July 23rd, 2007. So about nine months later, I ended this journal. Do you know... The next nine months of my life? Was it easy or was it hard? Just go ahead, guess. It was, oh my goodness. I have never been challenged so much about staying planted in God's house as after I got a revelation of just how important it was. Up to that point, I was doing it by accident. Then God's like, no, you got to do this on purpose. I'm like, amen, praise Jesus, yes. And then for the next nine months, it was horrible. Like, I, I had a list of plans of how I was going to leave the church. I had a long list of reasons as to why I should leave the church. Some of your names might have been in there. Was I celebrating the gift of my pastors, yes or no? No, some of you are like, too nice. Heck no! Listen, was praise on my lips during that season? No, no, no. Was I complaining or celebrating the goodness of God? Complaining. Was I having thoughts of gratitude written in this thing, or was it more entitled, selfish thinking? Which one was in there? It was a mess. It was ugly for nine months. A couple of things I want to tell you, though, in the midst of that. The thing is, I worked here, so I had to keep coming to church. Ha! Huh. And wouldn't you know it, that God, through his church, through his people, he kept encouraging me, even when I didn't want to be here. And I would have conversations with numerous people, and they would tell me just the right thing at just the right moment. In fact, Michael Garrison, who was sitting there, but he's walked out on security, I think, there's one conversation with Michael 
down there at Wendy's that we sat down and had a conversation that I captured in detail in this journal where he told me some things at just the right time and just the right way that I needed to hear it. Because I just poured my heart out to him and I told him what was going on. Caveat, why was Michael a good person to go to? Because Michael and Kim have been planted here, one of the few people planted here in the church longer than me and my wife. And so they love the house and they love God and they know the cost of being planted. And so Michael told me just what I needed here at just the right time. And then the whole mess of complaining and hard stuff culminated in the very last journal entry where I wrote down and captured the fact that the night before, our very pretty Volkswagen Passat station wagon was totally a lemon. I went out to the driveway where it should be parked the next morning and saw the scrape marks where it had been towed out of our driveway and repossessed because of lack of payment. Not a good day. And it was finally at that moment that I went to the people I should have went to when the beginning of all this mess happened. When I started having those negative thoughts and I was dealing with those doubts and I felt overwhelmed with this sense of not knowing and just, just you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys been there, right? Like all this stuff stirred inside of me. And I went to my pastors and I told them what happened and told them the whole shebang of what I'd been feeling and what I'd been processing, that I wasn't happy about this and about that. And I was feeling, literally, I truly, I felt like I was feeling God calling me out into something different. And in that conversation, they loved me. They accepted me. There was zero judgment. They gave me wisdom. They supported me, and they trusted me to do what I needed to do. Katie and I, I, we talk about it all the time, but that season, that moment was a turning point for our lives. Because your roots don't go deep when everything's fine and dandy, does it? Your roots go deep during the storm, during the challenges, during the moments when you don't agree. And our roots went deep because it wasn't about what we wanted. It was about what God wanted for us. And we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was the optimum soil for us to be planted in for God to have those seeds grow and for our lives to bear fruit the way they needed to. And that's the power of being planted in a house during moments like that. Some of you are nervous because that's only point one and I said there's five points. (laughs) Point number two, you will be planted in wisdom and honor. Planted in wisdom and honor. Verse 5, Psalm 92. O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. Everybody say, very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool. Everybody say, a fool. 
nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. Now, let me cross-reference. I'm going to go and read a couple verses real quick. You can write the reference down to connect. Why, Why am I reading this? Why are we talking about wisdom and honor in the church? Because when you're in the church, you get wisdom and honor in a way you can't get it outside of being planted in a church. Proverbs 28, 26 says, those who trust in themselves, like they don't need other people, are fools. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Notice the contrast. Fools, all they need is themselves. Wisdom cannot come in isolation. Wisdom, by its very requirement, requires relationship and other people in your life. Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They despise community. They despise the wisdom of cor- or correction of leaders over them. They despise learning from others. They can't receive instruction. Are you following me? Ecclesiastes 10.1, as a dead fly gives perfume a bad smell, so a little folly, a little foolishness, a little isolation, a little thinking we don't need others. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And then finally, Ephesians 3.10, his intent, Jesus, his intent was that now through the church, through the what? Through the what? Through the church. The manifold, that means all of it, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. We cannot gain the power of wisdom and honor in our lives, at least not in a sustainable, long-term way, unless we're planted in God's house. Because that verse just told us, if we want wisdom, we need community, those verses. And if we want all, all the wisdom of God, then we need to go where God's intent is is to give it. And where did he say it is? The church. Likewise, if we want to receive honor, first we must give honor. And so we got to give honor to God and to his church, to the bride of Christ, right? We've been talking about that. But we've also got to give honor to the leaders that God has placed over the church. Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, so Christ himself, who, who, who are we talking about? Christ who? Christ himself. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hmm. God established the church. There there is zero biblical argument that you could come forth with that God didn't establish the church. Like, nobody's going to argue that. What people do tend to argue is that, of course, God established the church. Of course, Jesus died for the church. But my problem is the church we have today is not the church Jesus intended. Anybody had this argument with anyone? I actually had a conversation with a good friend not that long ago. And we were having this conversation because, man, he loves God. He oozes Jesus. He really does. He wants to be part of accomplishing God's will in the earth. But he doesn't attend church right now. And we had this conversation, and and this was part of what he said to me was, yeah, but like the church that was then in the first century is very different than the church that is today. And I hear him. I mean, you've, you've got points there, right? 
But here's where I landed with him and where I would say to you, if, if you have a problem with the church, I get it. Not even going to defend it. If Jesus showed up today, even at Bethel Harvest Church, I think he'd clean house a little bit. He'd be like, why are you doing that? Like, that's not what I want you. Like, do this, do it this way, do it this way. I think in any church in America, Jesus would have some things that he would say, y'all got that wrong, you missed it. Okay? However, from the scriptures, the church is declared as God's means to accomplish his purpose in the earth. It doesn't say that about singing in the choir or the evangelists. It says it about the church of Jesus Christ, that the purpose of the church is to accomplish God's purpose in the world. It is his vessel. It is his chosen instrument. And Jesus is not coming back for you or me. He's coming back for the church. That's what the Bible says. In fact, let me read it to you. In Ephesians chapter five, uh, it's where he's talking about husbands and wives. But listen, it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that church, the radiant church, the church without spot or blemish or wrinkle. I want to be part of the church that God is perfecting. See, here's what too many people miss. The church, according to the Bible, is part of, it is God's primary design to perfect you, to make you, Donna, Jesus wants you to be radiant, like radiant. But if Donna doesn't get connected to the church, is she going to be as radiant as Jesus wants her to be, yes or no? No. It's part of God's design for your best, Donna, for every single one of you. God wants you to be radiant. He wants to perfect you in holiness. But apart from the church, you're handicapping the work that he wants to do in you. Now, let me be clear. Can you get to heaven without being planted in a church? Yes or no? Yes. Of course you can. How do we get to heaven? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. You can get to heaven without being planted in the church. But how many want to flourish in this life? And you and I are not going to flourish the way he intends for us to flourish if we're not connected to a house, the way he designed us to be connected to a house. And so I will say this, this church, I've been planted in this church since September 5th, 1999. That is 7,393 days almost 243 months. That is 20 years, two months, and 27 days to this very moment. This church, this soil is good soil. It's good soil to be planted in. Is it perfect soil? No. You're not going to find that in this life. But it's good soil. And our pastors 
Marion and Stephanie Dalton, they're good pastors. They're not perfect. I've seen them mess up a time or two. They've even hurt my feelings. Ticked me off a few times. But they've lifted me up a whole lot more. And they've spoken truth into my life when I needed it. And into my wife's life when I needed it. And they've celebrated my children. And they've seen a, a greater future for my family and for so many others. And they have a vision that's bigger than themselves. And they've walked it out with wisdom and integrity and faith and boldness. They're not perfect, but they're my pastors. And I will honor them. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor his church. And I will unapologetically honor my pastors that God placed over this house and over my family. And if you're going to do anything different, don't do it around me. Do, 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 do not talk negatively about my church or my pastors around me because I won't have any hesitation. In love, of course. I won't have any hesitation to correct you because there's something special about where God plants us. Amen? There's something special about where God plants us. And there are things that God can do in your life that he can't do any other way than through the local church. You know, so I've been here for 20 years, right? The last 13 or so, when, when people leave the church, I'm the guy that gets to have that conversation. You know, when they actually have a conversation. Sometimes you're just like, where'd they go? Um, and to be honest, they're hard conversations for me. I don't know about awkward. They're awkward. And here's why. Because nine times out of ten, you know, Pastor talked last week about toxins getting in the ground. And like sometimes it's just the ground around you and the ground becomes polluted. The ground becomes tainted. So most of the time, nine times out of ten, by the time they come to me, the ground's already polluted. It's already toxic. They've already made their decision. And I can talk till I'm blue in the face about the wisdom and honor of being planted in God's house and the benefit of being planted in God's house and that it's not about always agreeing or having a church, perfect church, but they've already made their decision. They're not going to get it. And so they're awkward conversations for me. But can I tell you, I said nine out of 10, that one out of 10 that gets it, oh, so much joy. So much gratitude to Jesus. Because most of those conversations, I feel like, man, if I could have just had a conversation with them, maybe a year or two before, and talked about some of the things I'm talking with you about today, maybe just maybe I could have planted a seed and avoided a decision that's going to take them out of God's plan for their life. And again, are people going to leave Bethel Harvest Church? Yes. No one has to sign their name in blood to say it. But what I'm saying is, unless God tells you to, don't do it. And so if I can help people, because here's the thing. Sometimes we leave churches because it's hard. How, how many know, know some, somebody, just know somebody, who left the church because they were offended? Come on, just raise your hand. You know somebody. What if 
wherever they left, was the optimum soil for them to develop strength of character to even when they are wrong, even when they are betrayed, even when they are hurt in a way that should not have happened, it was the optimum soil, a safe environment for them to develop the strength of character to not lash out, to not go after someone, to not give their peace and their power away to someone else because they hurt them. What if it was the optimum soil? for them to grow that. See, sometimes you need to stay where you're at and gain the strength that God needs you to gain so that when that attack, when that battle happens down the road, you're prepared. Because I know some people in this church who've had opportunity to get royally offended. I like that phrase from John Bevere, royally offended. And they're still here. And when I look at their lives, You know what I see? Flourishing. Flourishing. Notice the contrast between verse 6 where it says, when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. All right? That's what I just read a minute ago. But then verse 13 and 14, direct correlation here, contrast. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and fresh. Flourishing. See, there's a contrast. When you have wisdom and honor in your life, you can flourish. But when you are isolated, you're not going to be able to flourish. Everybody say, there's power in being planted. Number three. All right, you're just going to get a little skimp on the last couple here. You're going to be planted in authority and victory. Verse eight, but you, Lord, are on high forevermore. Everybody say, on high. Forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. So when you're planted in God's house, you are planted in authority that is on high and victory that the world can't take from you. See, there's a covenant blessing attached to being planted in God's house. Who just is in this group of taking membership, the 30 or so that are taking membership? So here's the thing, Chris and Stacy. When you take a membership, like they're not just signing up for a club. Where like if they do their part and pay their dues on time, oh, they get benefits. <laughs> they get to sit on a front row. By the way, they're not on the front row because they're going through membership. Just there might be some weird churches around here, but like they're not signing up for that. Do you know what they're doing? And Pastor Marion's been teaching on these Zoom calls we've been teaching. Is it next week? Next week, we're going to pray over them and the 30 or so. And we're not going to pray for them joining the club. We're praying because they're cutting covenant. Just like you that are married in this room, you have a covenant in your marriage. They're cutting covenant with Bethel Harvest Church, and we're cutting covenant with them. And so their enemies become our enemies. And Their blessing becomes our blessing, and our blessing becomes your blessing. And our enemies become your enemies, and we're in covenant. And there is power in that. Because how many of you got some battles going on in your life right now? And you don't know how you're going to fix them. You don't have the solution. But when you are in covenant, you should stand up here. When you're in covenant, you're not standing alone. You're not, here, turn around. You're not standing apart from the family. I don't have to figure it out on my own over here all by myself. But when I'm in covenant, like I'm like, 
Get in here. Come on, be strong, Alfonso. Ah! Like, and when I got something to go against, I got brothers. I got sisters that are going to go against it with me. Don't isolate yourself. Don't be alone. Don't act like you got this. Thank you. Because you ain't got it. God gave you a spiritual family to come by your, guess what? Some of that stuff, you can't figure it out on your own. You can deal with it on your own, but then there's going to come a day when you can't. And you might as well just start leaning in to your people while you can and get used to the fact that there is strength in numbers. Just like Sherry read that verse out of Malachi 3. Like when you're in covenant, you're in ble the blessing of God. Like he says in Malachi 3, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And then it's interesting because we're talking about soil and planting, right? He goes on and it says, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. So the Lord of hosts says, and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land. Yes. See, it's all about the soil. It's all about the ground. It's all about being planted. And you have victory and authority when you're planted in the house of God. That's part of the benefit of it. Number four, you get planted in favor and anointing. Verse 10 says, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Everybody say exalted. I have been anointed with fresh oil. How many want some fresh oil? How many of you have desired a promotion in your life and you tried to make that thing happen on your own and it did not work out too good for you? See, when we try to exalt ourselves, typically it doesn't work out that well. Whether you're in church or in the business world or in your own family, it's God who does the exalting and God who does the anointing. And when you are connected to the covenant blessing on a house, he enables, you give him the space, the opportunity to anoint and exalt you at a higher level. I know people that have gotten promotions, like crazy, ridiculous promotions that they should not have gotten. And to be honest, would they say, well, it's because I'm playing? I, I don't know what they would say, but I see the blessing of God on their life and they're flourishing. And there's a direct correlation to being connected in the house of God. Now, when you go, I'm not even gonna read it, but Philippians 2, it talks about the humility of not considering others better than yourself. And then it comes down and when, we, when we're humble like Jesus was humble, Verse nine says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. See, being connected in the house has a way of working humility into your life. If you stay planted, there's gonna be times when you didn't get the opportunity you thought you should, when you were overlooked, when someone didn't value you at the level that you thought they should. That's gonna happen. But if you leave when you get offended, then you miss the opportunity to gain that strength of humility and the power of service, and God's able to do something in you that he couldn't do any other way. Everybody say optimum soil. I remember I, uh, I was hired as a youth pastor 20 years ago, and then about two and a half months into it, they said, hey, we need you to edit a TV show. And I was like, what? Like, I'm not creative, I'm not technical, but if that's what you need, I guess I'll do it. And so I did both for the next couple years, and lo and behold, I was actually kind of good at it, kind of enjoyed it. 
And so then it got to a point where my leadership lid was kind of low and I was trying to do all this media production and TV and all this stuff. And I was trying to be the youth pastor and I just couldn't do both. And so I sat down with my pastor and said, I can't do it. And he said, well, how about you just take this media stuff and we'll hire a youth pastor. And I said, okay. And then I walked out and I was like, what just happened? Because I thought I was going to be like a 50 year old youth pastor. And, uh, I walked out of that room and I went down this path. And so for the next five years or so, I didn't preach. I didn't speak. I wasn't on a stage. I I wasn't doing anything of the sort. But what I was doing was working really closely with Pastor Marion as we were doing television and production and all this kind of stuff. And I was behind the scenes, 100%. Was never on the stage. And unfortunately, then a time came where Pastor's mother became very ill and she ended up passing. And during that time, I don't even know how these things happened, but all of a sudden, pastor was going to be out for like a month because his mom was his rock, and it was a big, big deal, a big loss. And so I ended up somehow on the short list of those that were going to fill the pulpits while he was out. Here's the crazy thing. I started preaching on midweek and on a Sunday morning. Remember, I had not been on a stage for five years. Like I'd preached a couple sermons, but not here. Like at a church camp in the summer, maybe like twice. And people were coming up to me and they were like, Mark, you're so seasoned. Mark, like, who are you? Like, who is this guy? Like people that have known me since I was a youth pastor. And they're like, man, it's like, this, it's like a new you. And like all this stuff is happening. And like, wow, man, you're speaking with such authority. And I was like, what happened? Was I an overnight success? What happened was I stayed planted and I put some gifts on a shelf that I thought I should be using. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be preaching here, pastor. But if you need this, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I did for about five years. And then wouldn't you know it, who did the exalting and the anointing? Now I don't say that boastfully because I, I'm, trust me, like I'm not the smartest and I'm not the most gifted. I'm not, I, I'm not being false humility. I am not. I've messed up plenty of times. I've, you know, I've probably let some of you down and hurt some of you. And if I have, I am so sorry. I repent to you. But the thing I did do was I stayed planted. And that's when you get that last verse. All about number five. Look at that. I'm done. Number five is you're going to be growing and flourishing. Growing and flourishing. And I've been preaching it the whole time. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Can I get an amen there? In old age, they shall be fresh and flourishing. He says it twice. To declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Listen, how many want to flourish? If so, say yes. Yes. Can I tell you one of the biggest keys in your life is to get this right. And again, whether it's here or somewhere else, I don't care. But I'm telling you, it's a principle of God's kingdom. And I've seen people operate in it. Paul and Patsy, what, 18? 17, 18 years. Has, has life been perfect over those 17, 18 years? He's laughing if you can't see. 
No, 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 not perfect. But I look at their life and everything attached to their life and they flourish. Sherry, 16 and a half-ish years. I've watched you go through some pretty big ups and downs. While you were here, you became a single mom and lived as a single mom Um, and then brought this beautiful bald man into your life. (laughs) Come on. It hasn't been easy, but is your life flourishing? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it is. Michael and Kim, wave so they know who I'm talking about. You've been, I think you've been here the longest out of everybody. Like literally, second, first Sunday, second, second Sunday? The fourth Sunday they started attending this church. And of everybody in this church, you all think you got some stuff that you could have been offended about? Let me tell you, their list is longer because they've been here longer. And this is not a perfect church. And it hasn't been a perfect journey for them, but I look at them and I look at Krista and Zach was here somewhere. Where's Zach? Oh, there he is. He's hiding behind his head. And you know, if, if you don't know, was it two years ago, the house? Two years ago, their house was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. Some of you be like, well, where's God in that? But listen, I'm telling you, I look at their life and I see flourishing. Flourishing because they stay planted. And by the way, it doesn't have to take 15, 20 years. I look at Alfonso, Naomi, Elijah, their whole family. They've been here only two years. But from the get-go, they got planted fast. They didn't wait. They weren't waiting for approval or permission or us to be perfect. They started serving fast. And they've been planted and their life flourishes. And I look at Nicole and Charlton. Seven years, right? About seven years. Started here as a single mom, trying to figure out a way to make ends meet. And somewhere along the way, just like another single mom over here, got a revelation of tithing and serving and giving and let go and I forgave some people and brought this handsome man into your life. And like, I look at their life and they're thriving. They're flourishing. And I could point, like literally my heart was so full on the front row as I looked around this room and I asked many of you this morning, how long have you been here? Because I'm just, my faith is stirred because what I see in this house is what God does when enough people make a decision to get planted. There is a momentum, there is a strength, there is a power that comes with a decision. See, we flourish by choice, not by merit, not by intelligence, not by who we know. We flourish by choice. Everybody say by choice. By choice. choice. Being planted is a choice. And if I could give you anything, any gift other than your salvation, please hear me. I don't think I could give you a greater gift than this revelation, this principle right here. And I'm not saying that to build this house. Although some of you have been here and you're still wrapped up in some burlap. Still got a cage around those roots. Maybe you're covered up with some mulch and you're holding some water and you're getting some good preaching and hallelujah on a Sunday morning, but you haven't truly made a decision to be planted. 
Not yet. Some of you, you have a church you're just visiting this weekend and you've got a church back home and that pastor did some silly stuff. You know what? If God added you to that church, that's not your responsibility. If there's integrity and there's faith and they're preaching the word of God, get planted. Wherever God added you, get planted. And that's, that's where I want to land this today. I want to land with a challenge, an invitation, if you will, for you to make a decision that creates a flourishing life. It's not my decision, it's your decision. You can choose to flourish, but I don't know and I'm not smart enough and I don't have the right education. And the principles of the kingdom are greater than your education. The letters behind your name. The principles of the kingdom are greater than your family history. Man. The principles of the kingdom work. Even when we don't even know they're working. Just like my story. I didn't even know I was planning. But the grace of God. And some of you are in that boat this morning. You didn't even know. But you're like, well, look at me. I've been planted. But now today it's a decision. It's an intention of your heart that you choose. And when you choose that, you choose the the life of a planted person. And when you choose the life of a planted person, there is a cost to that. There's a requirement of humility and giving grace to others when they're not perfect and they miss it. There's a cost to it. But the benefits of having that advantage of living in an atmosphere of praise and thanksgiving, of gaining the power of wisdom and honor in your life, walking in the anointing of God, the favor of God. You can choose to walk in all those things, but it's your choice.